0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Clubhouse Talk. We're coming at you, or coming at you delayed one week. Last week just had too many things going on for me and Joe to be able to get there and record for you guys. So we apologize that this is a week late and we're we're gonna put in two weeks of information. Although this time of year it is a little bit of a of a dead period in a sense, outside of really the NFL's the main sport that's playing that we like to sit here and talk about. Obviously, the NBA is going on and We actually do have a little bit of NBA talk to to get into on this episode, but without further ado, we'll go ahead and and kind of jump on in, but first things first, as always, Joe, how are we doing tonight?
1: We are doing good, ready to dive into it. We haven't talked a whole lot of NFL this year, so excited to touch on that a bit.
0: Yeah, it always seemed like every week college had something major that was dominating the storyline, and then... Also, for so long we kept going along. It was like, "Ah, well, the NFL season's—it's still early. It's still early. Nothing really happens till Thanksgiving, and then right after Thanksgiving, you had your two major weeks of college football go on. We didn't get any NFL talk in. And next thing you know, boom! Here we are, three weeks out from NFL playoffs. It's—it's kind of just flown by.
1: Yeah, it really has. It's been kind of a, um, I guess, under the radar season for us. I mean, we we spent so much in the fall, especially talking about. Braves baseball and they were making the deep playoff run there's just no time to really unpack the NFL unless we wanted to make this thing about two hours long which I don't think either of us or our listeners have any intention of, of asking for so
0: hey everyone's everyone's got their their time available and asking you guys to listen to two hours of us talk per week was probably a little bit that's too much. So we, we made business decisions to cut out the NFL, but, but no, I mean, we, we can talk, talk about it. And there is plenty to talk about since we haven't really done it all year. Um, and that's that it's really been a, a pretty wild year in terms of, there's a lot of, a lot of parody in the NFL this year. There's a lot of upsets that have happened seemingly every week. And there's no, there's no true. Um, there's no true number one team this year that I would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's
0: certainly teams that
1: I think are the pretenders and, and the contenders uh, more so this year. I don't, there's not like that glaring number one like the Chiefs have been for the past couple of years, even though they are playing some really good football that makes me think that they'll probably be the favorite by the end of the season. But, you know, you look at the Bucs losing last night to the Saints that are pretty beat up. Um, I mean, granted, the Bucs are beat up in their own right. Um, the Packers – have had a, a pretty big stretch of injuries. They still might not even be full force by the time playoffs rolls around. Um, the Bills have been really up and down this season. Um, I mean, kind of the list really goes on and on. Um, but the Cardinals were looking like the best team for a while, and then they just dropped a game to probably the worst team. So it's, it, it is like you said. There's, there's no outstanding team. This year, there's a lot of really good teams, though.
0: I mean, it's it, funny enough that this happens the first year that the NFL expands their playoffs to, to seven teams. So you're adding in in a year that we already have a lot of teams you could say have a chance. You're adding in two extra teams this year, um, which then brings into this new dynamic of who is going to be the number one seed, because in a lot of years you're talking about the one and the two. And in certain leagues, it might be a little bit easier by the time we get down to it to see, hey, who's going to be the two seed? Um, And the number one might be clear. Well, this is a pretty wide open year in terms of there's three or four teams in each league that are vibing for uh, for that buy. And every single team, I think, could make a case that they need it, both in terms of injuries and also we've seen across all sports right now, COVID is absolutely wrecking havoc. Right now, across every sport, whether it's college basketball, NFL, NBA, NHL, it's just it's wrecking havoc everywhere. I mean we have two two games on a Tuesday night in the NFL. this just doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. it's crazy. I mean it's it's
1: interesting to see how the the teams will react with, with COVID. I mean, the Browns are on their third quarterback tonight. Um, after getting that game pushed so it's it's crazy I mean Travis Kelsey just got put on the COVID list for the Chiefs
0: Um, I mean everybody lost somebody this week it seemed like yeah there was there was no team that came out unscathed and then you have a bunch of teams that in other sports that weren't even getting the games in Um, I know a quarter of the NHL teams are shut down Uh, there's college basketball games left and right NBA games I mean if you look at NBA rosters it's they're they're looking at five or six players for an entire game it's absolutely crazy um which really isn't too terribly surprising and we saw these kind of spikes last year with COVID uh in in the winter and you have to think that's probably going to continue as we go through so it's going to be a really interesting storyline as you look at the playoffs and what can happen yeah it will be I mean there's it, it's
1: kind of the world that we've we've lived in in the sports world for the past couple of years. I mean, there were, um, I mean, we looked at national championship game last year with Ohio State and Alabama. There's a lot of outages on on both sides of the ball there, so it's just the way it is. Teams are going to have to adapt, and just like they do the next man up mentality um, for injuries, they're going to have to do the next man up mentality for COVID, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, it's it's really uh, it's about the same like you said with injuries in terms of you lose somebody for a game well, you're losing them for COVID, not necessarily for injury. So as, as we look at the, as we look at the standings right now, you've got the Packers are the first team that have clinched anything for the playoffs. Um, They, they did clinch the division over the weekend. They currently have the number one seed in the NFC uh, at 11 and three record with the Cowboys and the Bucks and the Cardinals all one game back, all very possible. But like you said, the Bucks just got shut out for the first time in like 255 games for Tom Brady He gets shut out by a depleted Saints team without their head coach. And the Cardinals went on the road and just got their butt handed to them by the Lions who have won now two games this year. It's so I don't know if any of these teams are going to be, challenging the packers other than I, I guess maybe the cowboys but you start looking at the nfc and i guess right at the moment you would say the packers are the the favorite but there's a lot of really good teams that sit there right behind them you've got the rams have started to look a little bit better the last couple of weeks the 49ers are playing great um clearly the saints are playing good right now I, I guess how do you see the nfc side shaping up at the moment um
1: i'd say the packers would probably be my favorite to win, if I had to pick one, but it it's it's difficult to say. I mean, the Cowboys are good. I don't really trust McCarthy. Um, I I still think the Bucks are probably the team to beat. Uh, even though they did just lose Chris Godwin today to a torn ACL, which is a massive loss for that team. He had over a hundred receptions.
0: He's been absolutely killer for him, um, especially with Antonio Brown out who they will get him back, but um, it's still a huge weapon lost and Fournette looks like he could be banged up. Uh, Mike Evans could be out as well for a little bit going forward. I mean, these are huge pieces of their offense.
1: Yeah. So that, that'll be the issue for them. I mean, I, I, I think the Rams certainly could challenge the Packers. Um, That's, that's a very quality football team. I mean, Matt Stafford said next to no success against Green Bay, but uh, he's got Sean McVay now, so I I would not count them out.
0: No, I I wouldn't either. I would say, honestly, they're they're probably the most talented team. I know they may not be right there at the top in terms of wins and losses at the moment, but as – you look at it of a perspective of who could challenge them. I would say the Rams probably have the most talent and have the best chance to do it. I would give them a better chance to the Cowboys um, at this moment. And mm-hmm. But it's funny I say that, and I don't even know if they're going to win their division. They're still a game back of the Cardinals. Um, so they could have to come out of the wild card round, which we've seen as there are some teams that get hot, but it's never easy to go on the road in the NFL. And so I think Green Bay, as much as anybody, as you look at a lot of those teams are warm weather teams. So probably the Packers want that home field the most because outside of that, it's going to be good weather. It' not really going to affect too much. Those aren't really the most hostile stadiums in the NFL either. So nobody in the NFC wants to have to go through Green Bay and Green Bay probably wants everybody to have to go through them.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, Green Bay is the home destination. Very rarely, does Aaron Rodgers lose at home in the regular season or the playoffs. So, it's, um, I mean, that that would be the place to be. I think the home field advantage for the Packers would be massive because they they haven't gotten over that NFC hump of uh, the last couple of years. So that that would be huge.
0: So let's flip it on over to the other side of uh, the NFL, and that's the AFC, which I think is even. Even more crazy and even more convoluted as you start looking at this, because you have the Chiefs who control their own destiny for the number one seed. They're at 10 and four. Then behind them, you have the Patriots and the Titans are at nine and five. And then you have this slew of teams that are all at eight and six currently. And that is the Bengals, the Colts, the Chargers, the Bills, the Ravens. And then you have the Steelers and the Browns at seven and six. All of these teams are very much in live for their playoff hopes, and they're also very much in live for trying to win their divisions. Um, a lot of really quality football teams here, especially as you look at a team like the Bills, could be the sixth seed or the seven seed in the AFC, and the um, and they have Josh Allen there. You look at the talent that the Chargers have, uh, who what they could do, the Colts have been on a tear lately, and Jonathan Taylor is absolutely running over people. So I guess, where do you see the ASC playing itself out at the moment?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's kind of that contender-pretender thing. I, the Steelers are not a good football team. They're worse than their record. Um, I would never <laughs> – I won't, I wouldn't pick them to win any game. Um, I think the Browns ha, are kind of struggling this year. That Baker's been beat up all year pretty much in every part of his body, so I, I'd be shocked if they were able to make a pretty deep run. Um, I think the Colts are a little too one-dimensional for my liking. I mean, Carson Wentz was non-existent in that game against the Patriots this week. Um, I think the Patriots are decent. I don't know if I trust the Mac Jones experiment just yet, um, but I do trust the Bill Belichick experience uh, because he's pretty good. But um, a healthy Baltimore team, scary. Tennessee without Derrick Henry is not the same. Um, and then you you know you got the Chiefs who I think are, are still up on that AFC throne. That's you would have to team. say
0: that you would have to say them and the Packers are no doubt at the moment probably playing the best of any teams. With the Chiefs probably being number one. I mean they've they've won seven in a row now. You take it take us back two months ago and everybody kept talking about what is wrong with the Chiefs and they go on this run now seven in a row and it's now they're starting to look like the Chiefs old. And so that's another one of those places where. You don't want to have to go through Arrowhead to get to the Super Bowl. At the moment, it looks like the two hardest places in the NFL on each side are about where the number one seeds are going to be, which is going to make this extremely difficult for anybody to try and knock those teams off. But clearly it can be done in the NFL. I mean, we see it happen all the time. So I look at it in the same way you did of if the Titans can get a healthy Derrick Henry, they're talking about potentially getting him back If he's effective, I think that that's a a completely different football team. They also need their wide receivers back, although Julio Jones just got hurt again. A.J. Brown hopefully will be back. Um, I like the way the Colts are playing. I think Jonathan Taylor is doing enough, and the run game is something that will always carry over. Um, And then you look at probably the other team there in the AFC that I would say I'm really scared of or would be really scared of, and that would be the Patriots purely because it is Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick will come up with a game plan to defeat anybody. Um, Their defense is absolutely spectacular. They run the ball well, and I know Mac Jones isn't going to go out there and throw for 300 yards to beat you, but what he is going to do is he's not going to turn the ball over, and so it's going to keep them in the game. And if you can get up on him, I don't think that he can be able to make a big comeback, but as long as he's within a game, he, he is good enough to make some throws to win a game for you.
1: My. he's a really good game manager but it's just that last part that i don't know yet i don't know if he's good enough to go out there and win a game in the nfl if he needs to
0: i mean it, it's tough because we haven't really seen him have to do it yet in the games that they've played and they've won um uh, a lot of it been is controlled yeah it's been all game controlled and so it's hard to do that it is you can do it in the playoffs it's just a lot harder because you're facing elite competition. So their defense will have to be the one that will carry them if they, if they do want to make a deep run.
1: I agree. And then with the Colts, like I, I get the, the run game thing. It's just you have to have a passing game that's respectable enough to let the run game be effective. And I think the, the Patriots dropped the ball on that because they, I mean, they had Carson Wentz absolutely stifled and they still were respecting the pass game a little too much, I think. Um, but I, I just can't imagine in the playoffs that they're going to allow Carson Wentz to to go out there and and light it up. I just don't. I don't know. I I'd like to see a little bit more balance approach there. And then the yeah. Ravens last night showed that they were good enough to basically. I mean, they were a play away from beating Green Bay without
0: Lamar. That's that's a really really scary thing to think about um, how well that team has played, even with how banged up they've been. Um, he mm-hmm. has proven that he's a very capable backup quarterback in case everything, anything Fantastic. does. To Lamar. He um, played a great game yesterday. Yeah. And they were never out of that game. They played fan. They played great defense. Um, and they, like you said, they had to play uh, play to win it. And I don't disagree with the uh, call at all to go for two there at the end. I don't either. I think, I think when you have your backup quarterback against Aaron
1: Rodgers in the in a you know very pretty big game towards the end of the year in overtime, you gotta you gotta try to win it on one play. And and frankly, I thought the play call was was decent. He actually had, I don't know if it was Brown in the back of the end zone open, but um, yeah, I, I like the call. I know John Harbaugh caught some heat from it and as a Packers fan, I like the call because we ended up winning the game, but it it's it's those kind of like he called it a gut call, but that's exactly what it is. I mean, you're, you're carrying the momentum. They were down 31 to 17 at one point and they, they came back with basically a throw to win it. So.
0: The way the NFL overtime rules are, you're, you're talking about legit chance of a 50-50. It's coin flip. And then if you, if you lose that coin flip and it goes to Aaron Rodgers first, you are hoping that your defense stops Aaron Rodgers from going down and scoring a touchdown. If he doesn't, if you don't, then you lose the game and you don't even touch the ball. So at least in this situation, he is giving his team, putting the ball in his players' hands to win the game, and I think that's all you can ever ask for at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I would love to know the analytics on, on the percentages of teams that win, that win the coin flip in overtime.
0: Like in terms of if you win the uh, coin flip, have like your percentage to winning overtime? Yeah. I would guarantee you it has to be at least seven percent I
1: would think so too. We'll have it for you next time.
0: It has to be that far. Uh, because just with the way their their roles are, I mean, we've seen it happen in, in the playoffs a few years ago when the Mahomes-Brady uh, game in, what was that, 18? And uh, that game went to overtime. Brady gets the ball. Mahomes never sees the field. Now. We can go way deep down the rabbit hole in terms of if this is a good overtime rule, but it sucks. (laughs) It does suck. It it really is terrible when you've got you know when it does come down to a coin flip and the other team goes down scores a touchdown. It's like well you know you have these great talents like they don't even get a chance to to try and answer. So
1: yeah, it's stupid. It's a horrible rule. I don't. I can't believe it's lasted as long as it has.
0: But, it, I mean, nonetheless, you sit there and you look at it, and I guess that probably is the scariest team from deep back in the pack there. It, it would be that Ravens team, especially if they get themselves healthy because they do have a great defense. Um, and Lamar Jackson is a freak athlete that can definitely win some games with his legs in opportunities when nobody else could. So, mm-hmm. I guess kind of the last little, little piece of the NFL that we sit, uh, sit here and talk about is with – why, how wide open the playoff picture is, so is the MVP race. I, I genuinely have no clue who's going to win the MVP. We're three weeks out. I think Tom Brady is technically the betting favorite at the moment, but I don't think that's a very strong betting favorite. I, I mean, he's, he is there. Rogers is probably in the discussion. If Stafford can have a good closing to this year, he's probably in the discussion. Um, Can you think of I any- think – As
1: we've had this conversation about defensive players winning the Heisman, which Bryce Young winning the Heisman was the most underwhelming thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, How is Jonathan Taylor not, like, the favorite to win the MVP? For the same
0: reason reason that, no offense, if Derrick Henry doesn't win the MVP last year going for 2,000 yards and carrying the Titans, how does Jonathan Taylor get it this year?
1: I don't disagree with you at all. I'm just saying, like it's it's that same argument that like the MVP award in the NFL is basically the best quarterback.
0: Yeah, it it is. It it turns into the quarterback with the best stats around the league, and it's really terrible that this is what this has turned into. The two most prominent awards for the two most prominent, you know, for the two major football leagues, and that it's just turned into an extra quarterback award, and kind of everybody's getting sick of it.
1: Frankly, I think it is, and I think until ratings get a. And I think that's where the problem lies. Is like ratings don't get affected by who wins these awards. Like it's, it's kind of like a publicity thing, but like I don't think it moves the needle that much. But until it, it does, nobody's going to change.
0: I mean, they're seeing it in college in terms of at least their Heisman show has significantly dropped off in its ratings. Yeah. I, it, I doubt anybody watched it this year. It's that getting worse. I'm fan. Yeah, it's getting worse and worse every year in terms of their ratings. But in the NFL, I mean, it's not like they have this award show. They just announced the awards. So it's really not going to affect anything for them. Yeah. So, no, it's it's pretty wild that this is what it's turned into. And until, yeah, until you can find some way to start hitting the pocketbooks, probably nothing will change on that side uh, until you get some just a beyond historic year of a. 2,500-yard rusher or uh, some wild like –
1: Barry Sanders re- reincarnates and – Yeah, or
0: just some wild NFL wide receiver season would go him for 3,000 receiving yards or something stupid.
1: I mean, it, it's laughable, but, I mean, honestly, I don't see what else it would
0: be. Um. One more thing I want to get you get your opinion as a uh, former Ohio or you are an Ohio State fan. But to talk about a former Ohio State head coach in the NFL, um, we talked about this when Urban Meyer got hired back earlier in the summer. Or I guess maybe it was in the spring that he got hired to the Jags. And I think both of us got on here and said that it was actually going to be a pretty decent hire. He was going to get Trevor Lawrence and he was probably going to do pretty well in the NFL. And we were both wrong. I mean, absolutely wrong on that. Not the
1: case. Um, I don't know. It's, I mean, obviously, you got to take stuff at face value until proven otherwise. The guy had the first, the, the, I mean, the video at the bar groping the girl who is you know, roughly our age, which makes him younger than his daughter. little odd, Um, certainly for a married man, a little odd. And then we hear about him berating Marvin Jones, who then storms out of practice, and that's a whole thing. And then it gets kind of discounted in the media. It's like, you know, two guys having a disagreement, settling it out as men, No, no bad blood, blah, blah, blah. Then Josh Lambeau, who was the kicker for Jacksonville for years, who got cut because he couldn't make anything, claims that he was kicked by urban meyer and when he told him you know don't F and kick me urban responded something to the tune of i can do whatever the, i want i'm a head ball coach and so urban loses his job yeah i mean Mary have you seen problems have you seen a coaching stint go up in flames any faster than his did because frankly on the field the product wasn't terrible because Jacksonville's just a bad football team this year like it it wasn't going to be that bad. They played a handful of competitive games that probably shouldn't have been competitive. They won a couple of games, but they probably shouldn't have won. I mean, they beat the Bills. Yeah. So, from a pure football perspective, it wasn't great, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, it's but not like from, you can work with. From the off the field antics, I have never seen it get worse. No, I mean, I think the, the this in, happened it's, in less
0: than a calendar year,
1: it, it didn't even last a full season. <laughs> I mean it's it's infidelity with his wife family's an issue he can't get along with assistant coaches calling them losers he's physically abusing players i mean it's like it's like something out of a movie it's have you ever seen division 3 football's finest i have not it's the same thing it's just this like lunatic head coach who just like <laughs> berates his players and stuff and it 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 was like baffling to me but on a on a serious note like it raises the question of A, is this guy mentally okay? Because I know when he left Ohio State, it was because he had a cyst on his brain, which, you know, or B, has he been doing this the whole time? And because he was a coach in college, the players just didn't say anything.
0: And I think that's the scarier thing, personally.
1: Yeah. I mean, Grant, I haven't heard any of his former Ohio State players come out. And with kind of the media era now, I would assume that if that was the case, somebody would have said something. Um, but it's interesting. I'd like to hear from an, a former Ohio State player and just be like, "Yeah, this is out of character for Urban." I'm surprised this is true, but it's weird that I have
0: it. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. You would think that, or even going back to his Florida days or Utah days or somewhere, anywhere, some somebody <laughs> come out and say like, "Yeah, he did this," you know, 20 years ago, and then it'd be a really big issue. I mean, it's still a big issue in the sense that still can't be doing that as a head coach. I don't care if you're. Coaching what level you're coaching, even to grown men, you shouldn't be sitting here physically abusing them um, in practice. But no, it's just it's crazy because he is such a successful head coach in college. And we've seen this happen time and time and time again, frankly, of really good college coaches that don't have a that do not have a very successful transition over into the NFL. It's a completely different world. And I, I think it takes very different styles of coaching. I mean, one of them, you're coaching 18 to 22 year olds. The other side, you're coaching anywhere from a 21 year old at the very youngest player, probably to 40, 44 year olds. I mean, people that can arguably be older than you and making a whole lot more money than you, too. And you're, I think, trying, you're trying. I to think
1: do- that's the, the biggest key is like in college. You're, de- you're bringing these kids in in high school. You're developing their skill set while you're still there, and then you send them off to the professional league. There's no development anymore in the professional leagues. It's either you have it or you don't. And if you don't have it, you get cut. And I think Urban showed some signs early on that he was going to have a hard time in that role because he signed Tim Tebow which was weird. I know it kind of got drawn out in the media, but like it it was odd. The guy hadn't played professional football in like four years and he got signed to play tight end. And then James Robinson was probably the best player offensively for Jacksonville last year. And he hardly played the guy and to give playing time to Carlos Hyde, who was a former Ohio state running back. Who's a good NFL player. But he's a backup running back in the NFL. He's not a starting running back. Where James Robinson was, like we said, by far probably the, the better, best player on that offense last year. It was just these little things that popped up that were odd that happened on the field, and then you hear about you know these personality things. It was just there was something a little off about the whole tenure, and I don't know. I, I think I think this was the right move for Jacksonville to just like wash your hands of this charade before it affects your, you know, hopefully future Hall of Famer first overall pick that you drafted to lead the franchise for the next 15 years and Trevor Lawrence, because it, it didn't look like he's been developing very well either. So I think, I think that was the risk is you hold on to urban for two years and you lose the crucial development years of probably a, one of the best arm talents to come. I mean, personally, I think we both agree, probably best arm talent to come out since Peyton Manning.
0: That's, that's fair to say. Definitely most hyped up prospect probably come out of yeah. since since Payton, and then maybe Andrew Luck. But I, I mean, the guy he has the ability. I, mean, I watched him play last last or two a week and a half ago against the Tennessee Titans, and yeah, he played terrible. But I mean, there are times that you can watch him just roll across and just absolutely flick a ball 50 yards down field, and, and it's just like you could see the raw ability there. He just needs the scheme, and he needs players around him, and he needs a coach, and so. Mm-hmm. I don't know who they're going to get um, really can't get any worse than what they just have with urban Meyer. <laughs> um, and it'll be interesting to see what type of scheme they want to go with. They're going to obviously end up having a really good draft pick again. is only going to help them to get more talent in there, more young talent. So in the long run, it, it could end up in a, some ways helping to, to get more talent in there, but yeah, it's just been a, it was just an absolute disaster of a coaching hire and I, in, Some people have tried to ask if Urban Meyer would ever go back to college. I can't imagine that the guy's ever going to coach again after this. This has got to be. I can't either. I think he's
1: not quite in his deep, but I think he's near the kind of John Gruden blacklist. That it's just it. It was good until it wasn't. Now it's done. Yeah. And and both guys that came basically came out of retirement to do it and just were their own worst enemies. I mean, at least preface. What Gruden said was terrible, should not be said, but like at least he said it 10 years ago. It wasn't
0: like, yeah, it's not currently happening. Yeah, it, it did not happen yesterday. Like this, yeah. like this, incident apparently happened this season. So, yeah, I can't imagine a coach's game unless there's a team that
1: is desperate enough to take a chance on him, knowing that they're going to get all the backlash because they just want to win football games. And the only place on the planet that I could think that possibly would happen would be Florida state because frankly Florida state fans
0: just want to win football games. I'm sorry. I, I'll, no, they do. I'll put it I, in that I, nutshell. I just don't even know if he wants to come back anymore after this. That, that's the other thing. That's it's, the other question. I mean, so. He wants to like, he's come out of this retirement now twice and it's only gotten worse each time. And so he went
1: out on top. He, I mean, he came out of retirement at Ohio to go to coach Ohio state Wins a national title, goes back in retirement, and then just completely made a a fool of himself and his re- reputation that was as highly regarded of, as anybody in the football world, you know, college and pro, with the exception
0: of a handful. Yeah, it's it's definitely forever tarnished. It. If he had never come back, we would be looking at him and talk about him at the end of the day in a very different light, whether he ever coaches again or not. And Whether even if he has success again, you're still always going to talk about this tenure of everything that happened. Yeah. I mean,
1: this one is bad enough where it can't get swept under the rug. Like Nick Saban's days in the NFL get swept under the rug a little bit because he tried it, didn't work, went back to college and he's phenomenal. He's the best ever now. But like this is pretty big sore spot on a a resume.
0: We can we can quit littering the, the point here and, and move on to something else. But I mean, it, it is true. And, um, we'll end up just kind of seeing how the story writes itself going forward. But we had to get in here and talk about it because it is one of the more interesting things. Uh, Storylines does happen in a long time in the NFL. You just don't see this type of stuff happening no. um, in a professional league. But one other, another uh, large topic that I know, I think we're going to be a lot more excited to talk about. Just because I don't know if we ever thought we would get a chance to talk about this again. Um, it's just, it's pretty mind blowing that we've even that we have this to talk about. But because if you go back to February when the crash happened for Tiger, uh, one. A lot of people didn't even know if he was going to live. Two, you didn't know if he was going to be able to walk. And and then three, you didn't even know if he was ever going to be able to swing a golf club again. And this past weekend, we just saw Tiger play. Granted, it's kind of a charity, you know, exhibition match with his son. But we saw Tiger play competitive golf on live television again. And frankly, he looked good. He hit
1: some shots, and he he still had some pop. Um, first of all, yes. I mean, last time we talked about Tiger, we were in in shambles because, you know, he means so much to us in our pursuit in the game of golf. But, you know, worried about his health, worried about being able to walk with his kids. You know, sw- swinging a golf club was kind of the last thing on the on the topic. And his game looks good. I mean, he, <laughs> he hit a couple drives that were up there in the 170s in ball speed, which to put in perspective is somewhere between – Colin Morikawa and like Patrick Campbell. So that's not
0: sure. It's elite, it, it's elite yeah. talent.
1: Yeah. And he, he made some putts. He hit some nice wedges. I mean, it, he hit a four iron to like six feet. Like <laughs> it, it was, it was all there. I mean, he, he was pretty open as he always has throughout his career about his status. And he was like, look, you know, I can hit the shots, the short game's there, the hands will still be there. It's, it's the endurance that I can't do right now. He was like, you know, as he calls it, hit and giggle golf. He was like, I can play hit and giggle golf. But he was like, can I play, you know, 100 holes in a week where one shot decides whether I win or lose the tournament? Because we know this the Tiger mindset. It's If he doesn't win, he might as well get last. It, yeah, he, he it's doesn't, all the same.
0: He, He's not the type to go out there to try and make the cut and do that. If he's going to play in a tournament, he's going to go out there because he legitimately believes he has a chance to win.
1: Right. And he, he said he's still probably a long way off from being able to do that. And he'll have to be selective even when he does. Um, but just to see him hitting shots out there with Charlie again, having a good time, it was just
0: awesome. I was glued to the TV. It, it was – it was absolutely mind blowing to see it, and then before we even talk about Charlie and himself, because that, that's another storyline I think. Yeah. But no, I mean Tiger Tiger's game was sharp, way sharper than I thought that anybody could expect it to be. I mean, it, it shows that he's clearly been working on it through this entire process. You can't you don't just roll out and look like this unless you have been working on it for the and since he's basically been out of bed rest for the last six months. Um, I think his biggest thing right now is he's going to have to work on getting. Uh, getting stamina in his legs and being able to walk 72 holes in a tournament that that's probably the biggest detriment at the moment. I mean, you saw him, he's running around the golf cart. I, I don't think that there's any chance if you ask Tiger to try and go out and walk 72 for just a tournament, there's I don't even think he could do that, let alone try and play as well. And then you throw in all the practice rounds and everything else. So I don't know if Augusta is going to be able to happen for him in four months, but even even if this is the last thing that we ever see Tiger do, which clearly I don't think it is uh, knowing him and seeing how he looked, but even if it was, I'm just happy to say that we at least got to see that again and that we can know that he is, he's happy. He's enjoying himself. And he's still somewhat competitive.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't, I certainly don't think this is, the last we'll see of Tiger, um, I mean, he was pretty candid that had Charlie not wanted him to do this, he probably would not have done it. Um, you could kind of see later in the round yesterday that he was in a little bit of pain with the leg, as, as you could probably imagine, um, all the, the screws and plates and, and pressure on that leg. And I don't think he's played 36 holes back-to-back yet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, his – Tiger has an unparalleled work ethic. I think when you look across sports, there's a handful of guys who are just willing to work harder than the rest. And it's Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Kobe, um, you know, and Tiger Woods. <laughs> and there, those are guys that just refuse to quit. And he is the perfect model of persistence and adversity. And the dude just, he's going to, He's going to be back playing competitive golf. I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm kind of with you. I don't know if it's going to be Augusta, but you know maybe British Open. He comes out for the last tournament of the year or something like that. Maybe he plays a warm up or two before then. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we've seen the last of Tiger. And uh, I, I was more than anything, like you said, just happy that we got to see you know our childhood idol a few more shots, if nothing else, and uh, enjoy his time out there. It was, it was cool to see him looking like he was having fun, too.
0: Uh, it's pretty hard for him not to have fun watching his son go out there and just absolutely demolish the field, it looked like. I mean, Charlie's an absolute stud. I think we talked about this a little bit last year when, when they played in this, of like, yeah, Tiger's kid's kind of good. Tiger's kid is freaking incredible, and he's 12. Yeah. I, he would go out there and beat both of us
1: yeah he's pretty good i mean he i i don't know why i thought he was 14 for a while and then i was kind of like okay for like 14 this is this is pretty good but like then i was like 12 and I 12 like, <laughs> i mean 12 is like what are you in seventh grade when you're 12 yeah you're somewhere yeah, in that so, realm like seventh the kid grade is freaking phenomenal i mean He's drilling 20-foot putts. He's knocking drives out there 220 yards.
0: Uh, He's doing this in front of TV cameras, too. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I would be out there shaking in my boots. I mean, you've got two pros that are out there shaking in their boots normally on a tournament, and you're watching Charlie tied for the lead step up and just smack a 170-yard shot in there to three feet on a tucked pin. And I'm just like – what is happening?
1: <laughs> it, it reminds you of one person on earth and that, and he shares his DNA Yeah, and it's just like the, the kid is the freaking real deal. And the coolest part of it all, frankly, is like, yes, it's awesome watching somebody that young play that good, but it's so cool how proud tiger is of him watching. Like you can see it in his face and in his expressions. And, and in this commentary, he's like, I just, you know, I just love watching Charlie play. And he's like, it just, it's, it's incredible to me how, talented he is and and he's so like re reinforcing of him like when charlie charlie beats himself up just like tiger does it, of course which is hysterical too but like afterwards tiger's like you know it's okay you know you're short you got a good angle blah blah, blah uphill chip like you know things like that it, it's just it's a very cool scene and you know hopefully tiger and charlie will play for years to come and um if you missed it this year you know watch him reruns on youtube or whatever because it's it's pretty pretty fun stuff
0: yeah, it, it's way too early you know, a lot of people want to say like oh it's tired of going pro text mm-hmm. I mean, messages from friends that don't fall golf much but want to ask me that question and you can't say if kid's going to go pro but what i can tell you is that the kid is no doubt going to have the ability to do it and he will have the opportunities to do it it's going to be a matter I, I think to him in terms of does he put in the dedication the work to do it and how bad does he want it um, and at the end, also making it on tour is an incredibly difficult thing to do. So he's going to have to take advantage, of the, take advantage of those breaks when he gets them. But being whose son he is, he's going to get more opportunities and more chances than most would.
1: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, it, the most important thing for somebody his age is just loving the game. And I, I have no doubt that he will. I mean, he's the son of Tiger Woods, who, you know, not enough can be said about what he's done for golf, and then they're really good friends with the Thomases. And you know, JT is probably one of the the most fun young players to watch. Um, so he's just got he's got a ton of resources at his disposal. He's surrounded by the game. It looks like he's having fun out there. He's an incredibly competitive kid. Um, so and and he's he's insanely talented. I mean, like like you said, some of the the shots he hit were just stupid good,
0: And uh, yeah. yeah. no, so it's a lot of fun. Um, that was a really cool thing to see over the weekend. So I, I knew that we would both enjoy getting a minute to, to sit here and talk about that. Um, and then I guess kind of the last thing that uh, to talk about, just in terms of big news in the, in the world of sports from lately, um, you yeah, had Steph Curry uh, set the three point record uh all-time three-point record in the nba last week got to do it at madison square garden which is a really cool uh that it happened at, you know the world's most famous arena um by the time steph curry is done playing i don't know if anybody is going to touch his record for threes. if he plays healthy for the next four or five years And this that record could be just absolutely untouchable.
1: yeah um pretty incredible i mean it was one of those everybody knew get there eventually um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't imagine there being a better shooter of the basketball than Steph Curry and somebody who likes to shoot it as often as he does. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, it, it's incredible. It's, it's really incredible because he did it a
0: lot faster than Ray Allen. Did too. Yeah, he did. And he's still got old, you know, he's still fairly young and it's just like, and the guys on pace to keep putting up 400 threes a year. I mean, you, you, extrapolate that out four or five years and you're gonna put another two thousand threes on top of this and do a record that was barely sniffed out by Ray Allen or who barely sniffed out over Reggie Jackson outside of that I mean really Monsieur touched it. So clearly three pointers weren't as horrific back in the day, but I mean
1: they are now and still I mean nobody puts up the three point numbers he does.
0: Yeah that's the thing is like there is nobody in the game that's even sniffing what he does.
1: No I mean James Harden, nobody. Kevin Durant,
0: none of them. So, yeah, he he could stand for a really, really long time, which is cool because I I do think he's probably the best pure shooter of all time. Um, And and the other big news was probably last week in National Signing Day, Deion Jackson, prime time, flipping the the number one recruit from his uh, alma mater from Florida State to Jackson State. Uh, Really a historic moment, just not only because – He's going to an FCS school, but he's obviously going to a historically black college as well. So it's a really, really cool moment in football. You just don't see this happen. Um, maybe it's he's going to end up being a trendsetter for doing this going forward, but imagine he probably will be, especially as long as Dion is at this school. I would imagine we'll probably get more recruits, but I can't blame the kid. I mean, he's a wide receiver in a corner it's really hard to go get better coach than somebody who played that in the NFL. One of the best to all time do it. I don't blame him.
1: Yeah. I think it's cool. I mean, I think, you know, good on him for doing something that he believes in. And I, I think it's definitely, you know, in terms of coaching, I mean, neon Dion is about as good as it gets. I mean, <laughs> I think he's the best corner ever. Um, but you know, I hope it works out for him. I hope he still gets the national exposure that he deserves because he's phenomenal, um, and and can end up taking it to the next level. But yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it, as if things can't get worse for Florida State. It's
0: like my God. Yeah, that was. He's been committed for him for like two years. Just
1: he said, growing up, like that was the only place he was ever interested in playing college football.
0: A absolute like heartbreaker for them. But I do feel for him and their fans. Um, really bad day to get Mike Norvell an extension the day before national signing. When well, that happens. But um, <laughs> and it, it'll be interesting. I, I think the biggest thing to me will be to see if that kid ends up writing it out at Jackson state or if maybe he transfers after a year or two, if he goes there and decides like, okay, this was fun briefly, but
1: if I'm done. That is a good point. I, I think once the enamor wears off, it will be interesting to see if he's like, okay, I want to, I want a brighter shit
0: <laughs> Yeah. I like, like he wants more and more amenities and all that you get at a peer school. Yeah. So that I think will be the real telltale sign in terms of do more kids follow down his path in the future? Because if he sticks it out, then more kids will, will be able, uh, will be more willing to go. But if you let him go one and done and then transfers to say, FSU, um then you probably won't see this all too often outside of one and done and maybe more basketball than football. Yeah, I agree. So, outside of that, that really kind of covers it up for, for sports. Obviously, you know, looking forward, um, the NFL playoff race is going to continue to heat up as we've got everything going on. Um, can't guarantee that there will be an episode next week with all the holidays. We might take it off and, and push it back until we get into the new year, and then we can get past all the college football playoff games. So, um, in case we don't do it, shall we? Let's, let's do a little playoff prediction here before we hop out of here give us your two playoff game predictions and then uh you don't have to say national championship game cuz we'll get to that later i think
1: georgia beats michigan 17 to 14 and i think alabama beats cincinnati 42
0: to 21 okay very low scoring game in the georgia one i can see it um I think the hardest thing for Michigan that game, we said it last time was that they're predicated on the run. And that's probably one of Georgia's best defensive abilities is to stop the run. So I, I do like Georgia pulling that one out, probably somewhere in the range of a 24-20 type game. And then on the on the Bama side, I actually think since he's gonna put up a better fight than most people, um, I, I have that game going 31 to 24, Alabama.
1: Interesting. I I have them putting up a better fight than most people too. And I'm giving them 20 points.
0: I'm going to say they can keep that game within a score. I would love them to. I I really think they can. Uh, I think that this is Nick Saban's got a great team. Uh, This is not vintage Alabama and Cincinnati wants this. So it'll be interesting to see. I will say this, this will be the best quarterback they'll play in the playoffs. He, he is the best riddler is the best one that they will play in the playoffs so if they yeah. can make this, if he can make some plays who knows what can happen i would love it absolutely love to see that work out but outside of that we hope everybody out there has a wonderful christmas holiday um happy new year uh happy holidays to you and safe travels safe with your family and uh yeah we'll get back at you probably right around the uh, the beginning of the new year there and but hopefully by then we have either baseball talk or something else to oh come good. the college playoff. Yeah, let's hope. All righty, well, have a good one, everybody.